Welcome in to Defeating the Curse, two-man show, Stevie and Joe, the lunchtime special, kind of like a lunchable of sports, politics, pop culture. Got a little Aunt Becky, I know Stevie's dying to get into uh, the college uh, application scandal. Lots of things to jump into. If this is your first time listening to the Defeating the Curse podcast, thank you so much for checking us out. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and pretty much anywhere else you can get uh, podcasts. So thank you for uh, riding shotgun with us this uh, this sunny afternoon. Stevie, welcome back. It's been, what, uh, four months since the last time you were on the podcast? Yeah, it's, it's been an NBA season. How about that? Yeah, it's the longest NBA season I can remember, and I think it's because I don't care about the local the team or any game, other team. Yeah. Wizards doing well, I hear. Wizards are great. I think they're five games below 500 and with 10 to go. The Caps, though, I'll tell you, I've been watching more Caps than I have in recent years. Ten games out until the playoffs start. I mean, last I checked, they're still defending cup champs, and people are freaking out for no reason. Uh, no, most notably, of course, our boy FP, who's in uh, somewhat of a like panic mode, thinking that uh, you know they're just they're not looking right. And maybe we park all the the Caps conversations here, but you know they're still the defending champs, right? I mean, playoffs are yeah. around the corner. We, I mean, we haven't had a title defense here in forever. And the, the Skins, Skins had a terrible season coming off that Super Bowl in 91. But, yeah, I mean, this is a legitimate title defense. What People were we sleeping in, on what, it this spring. What were we doing in 1992, Stevie? Besides chasing I was, girls on uh, I, was, I was trying to date Lucia DiCardenas. <laughs> we don't use last <laughs> names. Name, I? I know, I know. <laughs> I think she got married, though. She changed it. She changed it. I won't say her new name. I mean, is she happily married? Should we get into that realm of conversation? <laughs> <laughs> we <gotta come> to <laughs> maybe maybe on the next podcast. Where should we start? Do you want to start with Redskins? You want to jump into uh, into Bryce Harper? We still have we you haven't been on the show. I think the last time you and I did a show, we were talking about the the rumor that Bryce was going to sign with the Phillies. Now, obviously, and it's happened, and uh, he set a record for whatever biggest contract, uh, gross dollars, I think total dollars, uh, a new record. And uh, a couple minutes ago, a couple hours ago. That record fell, lasted a whole, what, 20 days, 19 days? Yeah, I mean, uh, it lasted about the same time as the Scaramucci was the White House uh, Director of Communications. Uh, Mike Trout, 12 years. So let's just go side by side. 12 year, Trout was 12 years, 430 million. Bryce was 13 years, 330 million. Trout beat him by 100, year, 100 million and took off a year, and everyone – who read anything about Bryce, knew that he was actually gunning for the 10 years, but because he was so set on breaking that record of the highest contract in North American uh, sports history, he did those extra three years to get him to 330. Trout beats him by $100 million and gets it to 12 years, and he'll stay uh, an Anaheim uh, angel for life. And so it's just a huge blow to Bryce. I mean, and we're not even talking about comparing the two cities, right? This is just, you're talking about just the baseball piece of it. Are we actually going to compete, you know, what, suburban uh, LA essentially to uh, to the toilet that is Philadelphia? Yeah, I mean, a, a huge blow in every possible way for Bryce Harper, who's had a bad week in the sense that he got beamed in the ankle and had to come out of the game in spring training last week. I mean, it, it is becoming so much fun to cheer against Bryce Harper. I mean, I knew I was going to enjoy going to the Phillies game April 2nd. I will be at Nats Park, but it is it's becoming uh, – people in D.C. are going to really enjoy cheering against this guy. But there's uh, a chance he actually misses that first series, right? There's a chance he's going to miss that series because of the ankle. 
not back on the field yet. Yeah. I mean, that would be a big blow to a lot of Nats fans. I mean, it's just a two game series. So Tuesday, uh, April 2nd and Wednesday afternoon, but yeah, I mean, I, I expect a sellout crowd for those two. I mean, that could be the hottest. But we still, you're right. But we also, I think the Phillies are like, I think we play them like 11 times in the first 20 games or something. And they're, they're a, they're a regular fixture in the early part of the, uh, the Nats schedule. So, yeah, I mean, look, I'm I'm drive by baseball guy, right? Like I'm I, I tune in and I tune out kind of depending on how the team is going. I think most of this town still, uh, you know, I think they still resemble me in that sense or maybe in that that approach that like excited for the season. This is this looks like on paper and what an 86 to 90 win team as it is constructed today. Would you, you think that's fair? Hell yeah, I think that's uh, they've, they've supremely upgraded in several key positions. I know they haven't looked the part spring training, but again, spring training is the equivalent of the NFL preseason. A lot of guys are working on stuff. Rosters looking very different. So, yeah, I mean, the pieces are there. I mean, the the, the thing is, the NL East is, is going to be so much fun. The Braves look great. Phillies obviously are doing stuff. So, yeah, this team is loaded. I think they're going to be a ton of fun to watch. I think people are going to really have fun watching these young guys. Juan Soto, Robles doing his thing. It's going to be good. Do you think there's going to be a back, uh, like a backlash? Uh, you know, I, I think the fans ultimately are going to support the team, but there are some Harper diehards uh, around town as well. I mean, what what kind of season does he have to have in Philly for people to miss him here in DC? What, well, what, what we talk about your 50 homers and and uh, 110 RBIs. I, like, what's he have he, to do to make people miss him? Yeah, I, I mean, he's not going to hit 50 homers. If he did, then everybody would miss him uh, severely. But, um, I mean, the diehard. Harper fans are waning. I mean, the guy didn't even after, I, I, I don't know, you know, that's 10 seasons or whatever, maybe less than 10 seasons. The guy didn't put out a thank you message on Instagram. Guy didn't put out a half page ad in the post saying, Hey fans, thanks for cheering me on. Thanks for, you know, being such an integral part of my life. My, my, my coming into adulthood here. Thanks for the memories. Thanks for all the times. Come on, Stevie. He's, a, he's a dumb millennial, Stevie. What do you expect, man? What do you expect? Like the eight. Remember, dumb remember, millennial. He's a dumb millennial. Remember when Karam Butler left the Wizards? Like he he came to a bad team. He left the bad team. He took out like two full page ads in both papers. Like that era is is not. That's not the era we live in now. He's Harper's a dumb millennial. And you know what's so like you know air quotes. What's so Harper? His walk up song. I think his first at bat was. Uh, did you see this? The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Like and at surface level, I guess if you know nothing about '90s sitcoms. Yeah, like it fits, right? But except the song is about leaving Philadelphia. <laughs> like it just doesn't make any sense. Like he's yeah. all show, he's all show. And, you know, I, I certainly cheered for him here. I don't think I'm going to miss him regardless of what he does in Philadelphia. You know, if Philly strings together, you know, what, three World Series uh, championships or three, three like glorious runs over the next 10 years, then we can have a different conversation. But everybody seems to be pretty high on the Nets. As they are constructed right now, they still got they still got an ace, obviously in Mad Max, and you know unless his arm falls off, they're going to be in a position, I think, to win eighty five or more games. And if they do that, I mean, a lot of those wins are going to come against division rivals, right? So I think that yeah. puts you in a in a position to be, you know, at least to make the playoffs, and 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 we'll see what happens when you get there. I mean, it could become a train wreck in Philly. I mean, if you look. 20, 30, 40, 50 games in, and, and Bryce is batting 220, you know, and, and the power is not there, and the strikeouts are there, leaving a lot of men on, on, on base. It could become – the S could hit the fan real quick over there, and it's going to be fun to watch. 
Yeah. Any thoughts on uh, on Joe Ross being considered for the uh, the bullpen? Yeah, I mean, he's struggled. He's struggled. They've tried to stretch him. I saw his last outing. He tried to go, I think, four innings. And I think he got hammered pretty well. But so did Patrick Corbin, in, in, in complete fairness. So pitchers haven't looked the part. I know Strasburg struggled a little bit as well. Uh, Max has had some up and downs in spring training. But again, uh, what is that? Like, how much of that is them trying new stuff, learning new pitches? Um, I think one of them, I, I think it was Strasburg or may have been uh, uh, Corbin. I mean, they're literally practicing new pitches. I mean, they were, he was adding, you know, a cutter to his repertoire. I mean, these are pitches that we're probably not going to see in the regular season. So I think the pitching is the least of our concerns. Maybe the bullpen, but uh, yeah, I think the bullpens actually look pretty good. Aaron Barrett coming back from injuries looked sharp. Uh, they got rid of Sammy Solis. The, the, young, the, the new guys, Claws look great. Um, and obviously Doolittle's back, so... You're losing me. You're losing me. Right, sorry, sorry, Steve. sorry. They're drive a by, good team. <laughs> Thank you for that. They that's, pitch ball well. Maybe that's where we can lead it. We, where we can leave it, right? Not, I mean, what April 2nd's around the corner. I can't believe it. Uh, well, that's it not like, opening day. Opening day is a week from Thursday, March 28th, I believe. Uh, and then they also have an exhibition game on Monday against the Yankees here, which somehow always sells out. It's an exhibition game. It's a preseason game. And there's more fans for that game than there probably will be for opening day. I mean, it's the Yankees. It's a, it's a, it's an international brand. I mean, what do you want? What are you, what are you complaining about? Bryce, Bryce, that's true. Bryce may have tickets. Can we jump into uh, some of the storylines that uh, maybe you missed while you were sleeping the last uh, month and a half? Did you hear about uh, Odell Beckham? Leaving the uh, NFC East, headed to the Browns. Proverbial favorites in the AFC, the the, the powerhouse. Let me tell Browns. you something. Your boy, your boy Joe, right here, yours truly, was on the Browns now for what two seasons running, and look at look at where they are now. I mean, last year, if you remember, about this time last year when we were talking about who would you, what what would you rather, which team would you rather have, where would you rather be? You know, would you rather be the Skins or the Browns? Your boys, uh, LP and FP, beat me up saying I'd rather have the Browns team. Look at them now. Look at what they've look at what they've uh, you know accumulated. The talent they've accumulated in the past couple of weeks. You look at this team. I mean, Nick Chubb is under twenty. I think he's twenty three. Uh, Kareem Hunt is twenty four. OBJ is twenty five. I think Mayfield is twenty two. Um, the Jarvis Landry, I think, is twenty five. Like this team is loaded, loaded with talent. They, I mean, they still have money to spend. But most importantly, they, I mean, their division looks terrible now. Obviously, with uh, the Steelers, I think, are going to take a step back. The Bengals are the Bengals. I don't think anybody cares about them. And the Ravens, you know, I mean, the Ravens, they, they tend to surprise everybody, but they don't have a quarterback, right? And I'm not a Lamar Jackson guy. I think that I think we've already seen that experiment play out here in D.C. We, we know what happens with a mobile quarterback who can't sling the ball accurately down the field. So, the Browns say what you want. They may not win. They may they may make the playoffs and and you know maybe fail to start when it gets to the playoffs. But this team is young and they're going to be they're going to be good for a while. I mean that that's an incredible. I, I I still can't imagine it. I still am thinking how will the Browns find a way to screw it up? And and very clearly they could screw this thing up. I mean if look at those personalities in the locker. I mean. Baker Mayfield is a big personality. OBJ is is a uh, 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 huge personality as well. So if he's not getting the ball, if Baker's struggling, Baker gets hurt, you know, they could find a way to screw it up. But just from a talent standpoint, I mean, they are constructed 
like like it's it's very strategic and that's shocking for a Browns team that so often just picks the first quarterback on the board that just kind of takes a shot in the dark and and they are constructed yeah, well I have no is, idea who their GM is but kudos to him it's, uh, Dorsey he was on uh, John I mean, Dorsey hard yeah I mean I hard knocks hard knocks covered them last year you know I, I we should petition HBO to cover them again this year because I, I would love to see that. Uh, that training facility again. I mean, and we didn't even talk about the rest of the time. Like offensively, they got that big tight end uh, Joku, right? Like, uh, well, he's a wide receiver, Stevie. But yeah, in Joku um, at tight end, like there's this is a talented team. But you, I mean, and, and people forget like Kareem Hunt. They scooped up Kareem Hunt. Um, and he's been cleared even if he misses a couple of games. You got a guy named Nick Chubb. Like this team is just loaded offensively with talent. And you know, you gotta. I would imagine if if I'm in the AFC, I'm looking at the Patriots and saying. There is a chance that this window, that this Patriots super window is is closing, right? Like, it's hard to bet against it. But if you can assemble this much talent under 25 years old, you're, you're basically saying, hey, we got three or four good shots at this. You got I mean, I love it. I respect it tremendously. You know, and the only the only person I, I kind of feel bad for is uh, is Hugh, the former head coach, right? Like this team, he managed three wins in like three and a half seasons. And he leaves, and this team, the Browns are like the Avengers now, like just loaded with talent all over the place. But not to say he knew he would have known what to do with it anyway. But you know, I, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what this Browns team looks like. Um, you know, one other thing, you know, one NFL like a notable nugget, I guess, would be the Le'Veon contract. Um, you know, it, Harper wanted him to come to Philly, if I'm not mistaken, and that didn't work out so well. But you know, he left a lot of money on the table. This has got to go down as one of like the biggest like F-ups contractually in the history of professional sports. He left $33 million in guaranteed money on the table and accepted a lot less from a worse team, I guess, over pride. I'm not really sure what to make of it, but between him and Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, like they made it pretty clear that they weren't going to, they weren't going to deal with Le'Veon and his nonsense. I'm not sure why they humored Antonio Brown, who's older, arguably, um, more or easily more easily replaceable well, i guess maybe not i mean james connor did a nice job filling in for Le'Veon, but pittsburgh just i'm surprised i'm surprised that they granted antonio what he wanted which was an exit i'm surprised yeah um i got nothing to say about the nfl i, I don't care it's march we got March Madness. We have uh, baseball opening day. Why are we talking about the NFL? You want to talk about the Fine. Redskins? And, we can talk and, about I mean, the Redskins. Basically, me and Jay Gruden, uh, me and Jay Gruden care the same thing about the NFL season, which is nothing at this point because Jay Gruden hasn't been informed of one decision. <laughs> yeah, apparently, he learned about Landon Collins being signed via a media member who texted him about it, and <laughs> which is crazy. I mean, that's crazy, but it's so Redskins. I mean, do you expect anything else? And I mean, yesterday it, they it, signed it, Eric Flowers, and he was unaware of that too. Can, can you talk about the Browns in comparison to the Redskins? I mean, a, a team that was so dysfunctional totally got their act together. It kind of reminds me of where the Skins were when with the McLuhan hiring, when they seemed that Bruce had taken a step back. McLuhan the was – good old days. I, I mean, that's where we felt like the team was, okay, this is a strategy. This is an actual football guy making football decisions, letting Bruce do the handshaking and the kissing the baby, stuff like that. And, I mean, that all went to hell, of course, when McLuhan got fired and – now they're, they're in complete disarray once again. 
Well, it went to hell before they fired McLuhan because they leaked that he was an alcoholic, right? I mean, this is right. uh, they, this they, is they don't want to there's pay. no yeah. there is no floor to like like how low will Bruce go? There, there's no answer. It's the like there is no answer to that actual question, right? But you know, I, I don't know how anybody like is there a worse run franchise or a worse roster of talent top to bottom? You know, maybe the second point is debatable, but as far as like running a franchise. It's terrible. And it's not just the on the field stuff. Look at what they did to Brian LaFamina. They brought in a, a essentially a marketing czar and then yeah. took away his power halfway through the season and fired him two days after the season ended and reconsolidated I, I, power. It's terrible. I used to think that Danny Boy was actually getting blamed for too much. I used to think he was actually a victim. I know. I was like one of the only guys in D.C. that I thought he gets blamed for everything. Guys just trying to do his job and he's just trying to win, blah, blah, blah. But no, no, no. This has got to be a Snyder thing because the, the, the way this team is run. What does Bruce have on Dan? That's We're going to keep coming back to that for eternity. What does Bruce I, have on Dan? I think there are P tapes all over the place. <laughs> oh, you think this is an R. Kelly angle here? I think I was talking about our, our, our president, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's P tapes to go around. <laughs> If you say so, if you say so, I, I don't know. We don't know. We don't have any access to that information. We can only speculate that Bruce has got something on Dan because his performance as the executive has been terrible, essentially for more than half of his tenure. He's still here. It's, it's incredible. Like when we talk about like, you know, we were having this conversation offline, right, about like defining the curse, right? Like we're, our podcast is called Defeating the Curse. Well, you know, if you had to put a singular like name to it, like curse is synonymous right now anyway with gotta be with bruce allen like it's defeating bruce allen and how do we do that i mean nobody seems to have a good answer because there doesn't he the guy's made a teflon like he just nothing nothing sticks to him but you're right okay, look the, the nfl in the offseason if we're not talking draft there's really nothing else to talk about except some of the free agency stuff and i think lp and fp did a good job on that last week um you know you you had mentioned the ncaa tournament march madness is officially here i have two questions if you make the field of 68, right, because there's the first four teams play against each other just to get into, like, onto the actual paper bracket, right, the 64, yep. would you consider those teams that play in the playing game, play in the playing games to have made the tournament? I don't. Do you? Um, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. Like, Yeah. They're part of the, the tournament. They were invited. The field has expanded to 68 teams. A... Wow, Steve, I didn't know you were so legalistic. Okay. Is that, is that, uh, that's the opposite. I'm, I'm, I'm inclusive. I'm trying to get everyone involved here. Uh, you're bleeding heart. Uh, bless you. Very good. Very good. Okay. All right. You want to talk about, uh, about uh, Big Zion coming off the bench and uh, or coming, I guess, returning to game action and dominating? He, he looks like he belongs, like, right now in the NFL. Or in the NFL, sorry, in the uh, in the NBA. He looks well. Just, I think you're maybe right. Maybe the NFL too. Uh, yeah, he. I, I mean, listen, and let me just go on record by saying the the UNC Duke rivalry. I've I haven't watched a ton of college basketball this season, but those three games they faced two times in the regular season, once in the ACC tournament. That is the best rivalry in sports. Period. Okay, I don't want to hear anything about any NFL rivalries. That. Uh, uh, Tobacco Road rivalry is the best rivalry in sports. And those games always produce and always come through. So, I, I mean, he's incredible. Those first two UNC games, obviously, where, you know, the first game he blew out the shoe 31 seconds in, uh, and then he didn't play in the second one. This last one, I mean, he 
just causes havoc down low. I mean, when he gets ahead of steam, we used to think Bron Bron was, was unstoppable with ahead of steam. I mean, this guy is incredible. I mean, and the touch, I wasn't, a, I wasn't convinced he would translate to the next level. And again, I'm, I'm not 100% convinced of that. But the more I watch him, he is a special player. I mean, he, he's unbelievable. He, I mean, look, I, I don't watch uh, a lot of college basketball. Like our boy Peter watches a ton. Dan watches a ton. I, I don't watch a lot of it, but I do. I did check in to watch him because, like, he he's essentially at that. Remember when LeBron was coming out? They were at, they were televising all of his uh, his high school games. That's kind of what it felt like, man. Like he's just miles and miles and miles better than I guess anyone else on the court at any point in time. I mean, he's he's a lock to be the first overall pick. I think he was a lock, even if he decided not to play another game, you know, at Duke, I think he still would have been a lock for number one, but he is, he's something special. And I'll tell you, like, I've been, I watched a good amount of college basketball over last weekend. Um, it was dad versus the kids. So I was home quite a bit. I watched a lot of probably more college basketball last weekend than I have in the the, the rest of the year combined, just in the, the amount of minutes I actually watched UVA. I don't get, like, I understand that they get like record wise, they, they, they're deserving of a number one seed. They just don't strike me as a team that can actually string together, you know, four or five highly competitive uh, wins back to back to back, which is what the tournament needs. And frankly, like this is maybe, maybe this isn't an original thought, but it's something that just recently occurred to me. I think people cheer for upsets in the first two rounds, but I think once you get into the latter part of the tournament, like chalk is okay. People want to see the best teams move forward like the the George Masons. I mean, obviously, I was at Mason when that when their run to the Final Four happened. Uh, there was what Valpo a few years back too. Like it happens from time to time. But I think overall, I think once you get past the first two rounds, people want to see the best teams advance. They want to see the best, the best players and the best coaches and the best matchups possible. Maybe I'm wrong, but you know, maybe it's just something that occurred to me. But obviously, I think Duke is going to be is got to be in, in everyone's. Maybe not in the final four, because I think they're susceptible to losing well. They, they they have like stretches where they play no defense, but Zion's unguardable. So I think as far as he goes or as far as he takes them, they will go. You know, but I think the stalwarts will be there in the end, personally. I'd love to see UVA move forward. I just don't think they can string together four competitive games. I mean, going back to the Zion thing, I think a question probably you're more equipped to answer this than me is he has such a physical advantage over the guys that he's playing against now, and that's why he's able to dominate so well. The question is, when he gets to the next level, that physical advantage isn't really there. I mean, he may have it on some guys, but more or less, uh, you know, physical. Does he have the skill set to, uh, you know, still be an elite player without the physical advantage? Right now, he's literally like mauling through guys that are, you know, 50, 60, 70 pounds lighter than him. I don't know if that'll translate to the next level. It won't directly, but he's still, I mean, you remember LeBron coming. I still remember LeBron's first game uh, with the Cavs against the uh, Kings. We were all together actually watching, came in off the bench and suddenly he looked, you know, on, on screen, he looked the appropriate size. Like he was playing against people that were the same build and size as he was at the time. I think Weber was still on the Kings at the time, but the speed was there, right? And then the court awareness was there. Like, you can say what you want about LeBron and surely this year you can see that the wheels have started to come off or maybe, maybe he just lost some passion just being out in LA. But uh, I mean, Zion looks like he will step right in. And if he's not a starter on day one, he will be pretty quickly. Uh, I wish there was some way the wizards could 
just suck more to get him, but it's not going to happen. Um, you know, but on this topic, there's two teams. There's two teams that I got to watch a little bit of that surprised me, and two teams that I've ne- I can honestly say I've never watched one minute of that of either of them play basketball before. Belmont, okay, like not the horse race track, but like the school Belmont, which is basically a bunch of like uh, it's a bunch of white guys, me and you shooting threes from half court all game long, and Yale, like an Ivy League school that actually runs like an offense with yep. like, plays. Which was a ton of it was a ton of fun to watch. Now, LSU obviously doesn't have a coach right now, so they're a big X factor. But that in that first matchup, if you know, if you gave me if you gave me a thousand dollars and said bet this somewhere, I'd have it on. I'd put it on Yale beating LSU. I mean, personally, that's what I would do. But you know, I'm excited. The basketball. It's always fun to have sports on in the middle of the day for a couple of days a week. Like absolutely, that's, a, that's good. And I tell you what, I stopped filling out a bracket probably about two three years ago. Because it's so much more fun to not have skin in the game and to cheer for the upsets. And I think because, again, if you're filling out a bracket and you're betting a lot of money on this, well, you pick NCC, UNC to win. Well, it's going to suck if UNC gets knocked out. But you don't fill out a bracket. It gives you this freedom to cheer for all the upsets. And I, I, I heard what you said about having the favorites go on. And, and I think that's partially true. But when you don't have skin in the game, I think it's awesome to just cheer for the little guys. And, of course, once you get to the later rounds, uh, you do want to see the, the, the Titans go head-to-head. But um, it's, it's liberating to cheer for the upsets. And I'm cheering for uh, all the upsets. I love seeing UVA get knocked out as a one seed a couple years back. That, that was awesome. Uh, so we'll see this year. There will be some big upsets. So speaking of you, upsets, you want, you want to talk about – Were you at Mason during the 06? Run? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. The all the all the folks I was in school with, uh, both Marks, Pat, a bunch of we were all watching at my uh, parents' house in the basement during that uh, that Cinderella run. Yeah, I was there. Well, I mean, the the campus must have been insane. Just just. Yes, there was uh, there was many. Yes, there was sillies yeah. everywhere with uh, less clothing than usual for March. That's amazing. Yeah, That's- it was great. It was a great time. What a time. Don't ever talk about that as uh, a result of going to the Sweet 16. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody's locked in on the money and the uh, campus enhancements. Yeah. You know, it was a little different for the student body at the time. Body being the emphasis. Is, uh, oh, and you said campus enhancement, so that was a double uh, entendre right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Stevie. Okay, hold on. We got a couple more things me and you got to talk about because the other donkeys won't let me talk politics. We got to talk about this uh, presidential class on the uh, left side of the aisle. Your people, because it's terrible. It's terrible. I mean, give it a couple minutes. Every couple minutes, a new uh, Dem uh, candidate jumps in. <laughs> Has anyone jumped in in the past ten minutes? No, but the most impressive haul to date has got to be your boy Beto, right? Because he comes in with six million in a day, and none of it came from CPACs, which is it's incredible that none of it came from political action committees. Uh, I mean, your uh, your savior Obama took him three months to raise that same amount of money. So I'm just saying, like he's impressive. Six million in a day is impressive. You've talked about him for three minutes and haven't mentioned the hand, move, hand movement, which I think is, is not allowed. Okay, but let, let me ask you, okay, because you're you're quite a political pundit who I respect. Who who are you most scared of as a Trumpian? Who are you most scared of to see run? And who are you least scared of? Who who is your dream candidate uh, oh, to go it's up against? Easy. Elizabeth Warren would be the the slam dunk of the of the century, right? I think 
I think if Bernie ends up with the nod, I think he'd be more of a challenge to Trump. Elizabeth Warren has would would be a she wouldn't even be a speed bump on the highway. It's nothing if she gets the nod. But the name, of course, that that should be discussed as a as a true contender would be uh, Biden. Like if Biden throws in, like it's yes, he's had he has his gaffes, but so does Trump. And um, but he has the experience. He he can leverage, especially if Obama's willing to endorse him. He can leverage what is perceived to be a successful um, eight-year VP run, even though I think people that are closer to it would challenge how successful it was. But, you know, perception is reality. And the perception is that he did a fair job, maybe not the best job, but a fair job. And that type of experience could be problematic. And maybe he could actually challenge Trump. But, uh, you know, the the, the, the way the country's skewing right now I think whoever it is on the left is going to have an uphill uh, uphill climb to beat Trump. I just don't see him. He, he's for all the the crazy things that he says and does. He he still resonates with the vast majority of the Republican base. Period. So you, someone like Elizabeth Warren, who's a fraud, really doesn't. I, I, she doesn't. She's too easy to be defeated. Um, but I. Uh, uh, Biden. I mean, to answer your question, Biden would be the one I would be most. Uh, that's interesting. That's interesting because I, 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 you know, I'm a Bernie guy. Okay, and I've told my wife if Bernie is president, we can have another kid. Okay, because college will be free. Don't need to worry about that. <laughs> even if the country's bankrupt, it's okay. Um, but I, I think the Me Too stuff's going to get Biden. I think that's his big hesitation. I think he hasn't announced a candidate candidacy yet. Because he's trying to wipe the slate clean of all the Me Too stuff. And everybody, all the rumors and everything, everyone knows that he's got a, a weird past. And we've seen the videos of creepy Joe Biden. Um, so that's one. I'll tell you one that I think Trump should be worried about is Kamala Harris. I think, I don't know how he would deal with an African-American woman and not try to denigrate her. <laughs> I, I, just, I don't think it's in him. Uh, yeah, maybe he's maybe he's more likely to slip up or say something stupid, but he says stupid stuff all the time. Her problem is she has no name recognition, even in her, within her own party. Yeah, I think she can break through in the debate. I think she's smart. I think she's intelligent. I think her record might get her in trouble with some of the progressives in the party. But um, I mean, those people, they don't want to put anyone in jail. She was uh, you know, a prosecutor. What was she supposed to do? <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I think Kamala Harris. She's my dark horse, but I'm a Bernie guy. You know that. You know, you know. Let's revisit this in four years or so when we're looking at the next class. Because if she does, if she holds her own and survives, maybe to like the final four, or maybe maybe the yeah. Like let's say she gets to the final four um, in the Democratic Party or in the primaries, then I think her name shoots to the top of the list because chances are, I just don't see Trump losing at the midterm election. Um, which means then you'd have a, a true toss-up in twenty-four and what twenty-four. So then potentially, but I, I think I think both parties are at a. I think they're both at an interesting intersection of like old and new. Like I, I don't think the Bush name recognition of the past decade matters, and I don't think the Clinton name recognition of the last decade matters either. Like their influence has waned considerably as the parties have both moved to kind of the extremes. Uh, and kind of less in the middle, they've pushed to the sides. I think those names that generally have resonated maybe a little bit more cross aisle just don't, they're not there anymore, right? Like the, the, the McCain's and the Colin Powell's and that whole era of politicians is no longer, it's no longer there, right? So <clears throat> Bernie probably has the, you know, like 
it's funny that you say that, right? Because like, he he resonates with me in some in a few things that would actually like I'm always interested to hear him speak. I don't I can't say mm-hmm. I would vote for him, but he resonates with me on certain levels. Um, you know, and I think you know, looking at the, re- the Republican field, I think you could look maybe a good, um, like the the maybe maybe a guy like Romney was somewhat similar in that that he had a little bit of interest or maybe poked a little bit of interest or caused Dems to kind of stop and listen um, a little bit, even though maybe he still didn't agree with him. But those guys are few and far between, to be honest. And right now, it's it's just a different era. It's a different era. I mean. And like I said, I mean, Elizabeth Warren is a fraud. And the fact that the Democrats are even allowing her to charade around as, a, as an actual contender is a joke. And it, it, I don't think people process that, right? Um, but I mean, that's my person. That's my, that's what I see from my- uh, Yeah, let's turn this into a weekly segment. Let's do it. Handicapping the 2020 field. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm down. I don't think the rest of the donkeys would be up for it though on the, uh, no pun intended, uh, LPFB and the, uh, the air quotes donkeys. Anything else you want to touch on before we put a bow on this one? Uh, we, we didn't say anything about Aunt Becky. How are we going to freaking uh, spend 20 minutes on the Redskins but not Aunt Becky? It's terrible, man. It's all the floor is yours. I'm saying Becky Katsopoulos, mother of Nick. What is the kids, the twins? Nick and uh, uh, I can't remember. Jesse. So bit, no, well, that's the husband, wife of Jesse <laughs> Katsopoulos. I knew that one. Uh, Nick and something is a nutcase who paid a bunch of money to get her kid into college. Sweet Aunt Becky. She was hot, too. She was. She actually hasn't hot. aged much in yeah, the 30 years good. since she's on TV. Uh, but she's lost pretty much all of her endorsements. And her husband, who I didn't know this, is the he's the name behind the brand, the Mosimo brand, Mosimo, the Target yeah. brand. We've all been in that bind where, you know, you got to go grab something quick for something that you Build were planning to attend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, those nice uh, 100% polyester uh, dress pants yeah, um, or shoes made out of uh, concrete, but whatever. I didn't know that they were linked, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know, the, the, Joe, uh, going back to politics, is this just highlights the reality and not to get on the Bernie thing, but college has now become an elitist. Uh, thing that that only the elites can can be involved in and the rich it's basically a playground for the rich and the people that actually need to earn a living aren't gonna piss away four years getting drunk at frat parties and going to football games and all that they don't have that luxury so this is actually a great thing Uh, obviously it's a great thing that the fbi uncovered this and exposed this so that we could figure out what the hell's going on with college why the hell do I have to pay $200,000 for tuition? Well, I mean, but this is, uh, this is something that I think we, I think our generation was the first to kind of get exposed to the, um, the lack of advantage. You know, college affords you, I guess, some, some rite of passage. It's more of a rite of passage than it is an actual, um, <clears throat> you know, it, it, I, I don't know how to describe it, but I think we are now seeing it. And I see it all the time, like in my professional life. And I, you know, and I talk to people about this too. Like sometimes college doesn't make sense. You can go, you can go be a, an apprentice in a, as an electrician or a plumber and essentially skip four years of college and start earning anywhere from 80 to 120 grand, uh, essentially right, right after you finish your yeah. seven to whatever, seven to seven months to a year or two years of, um, of apprenticeship, right? You see this in the medical yeah. field too. Like there's a growing trend of, uh, amongst medical professionals that seek nurse, nurse practitioner status or physician yeah, assistant status. Yeah. 
right? And forego the massive amounts of debt. Sure, it may not, the, the title may not have the luster of MD or DO, but the hours are better. The money is more, is more uh, readily available. And instead of deferring earning real money for six years and 400K of debt, you basically start earning 80K. And in that same amount of time, you'll go from 80 to 160. You know, you get your life moving, get get started with life. So I think it's. Oh, I'm with you. We have to move towards a, a profession based or trade based education system where people are getting actual skills used in the workforce and then applying them. Let the progressive liberals that want to talk about English literature and debate Shakespeare and all that, let them go to Harvard and Yale and these basically uh, rich playgrounds. Uh, and I want my kid in the workforce making money and figuring out actual life skills that are going to help him or her in their day-to-day life. Let yeah, you, forgot about have the, you forgot about the her, huh? Still new That's over there. The new addition, okay. <laughs> the learning. Look, I don't feel bad for Aunt Becky. You're welcome to feel bad for her. I don't feel bad for her. Is she going to jail? She should go to jail. She should. That'd be a hot uh, inmate. <laughs> I don't know what's going on over here. Uh, they got to. They got to send her. You they got to send her to a. No, they got to send her to an all-female thing. No, no, you, no. you, sir, you need to go take a walk. You need to go walk it off. All right. <laughs> all right. Steve. Trying to sacked off of Lucia Di Cardenas, and I just said her name again. <laughs> like, if, if if anyone's still listening this far into the podcast, you can say whatever you want in the, yeah, yeah, in the thirty to forty minute window. This is they the deserve to Google her and stalk her. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Stevie. Anything else? Any one last no, no, things? No. no, no. Let's get to opening day. Oh, it's around the corner, my friend. Thank you all for listening. My name is Joe. That was Stevie. It's been a lot of fun. It's always nice to podcast. It's always nice to podcast when in the middle of the day when the sun is out too. It's uh, it's a different feeling, uh, as the kids would say. But we are um, we are happy always as always to share our thoughts. iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere that you can go, or actually just Google the show and it'll come right up as well. To all the Caps fans that are listening, playoffs, the Defend the Cup series, which is what we're calling DTC for all Caps shows moving into the uh, the playoffs of the, the, towards the Stanley Cup final, will be, um, I'm at what, 10 days? We're, we're less than a half a month away now at this point. We're talking about three weeks or less. Wizards are probably not going to make the playoffs, so all the Wizards fans listening, as you can tell, nobody cares. You know, welcome to, uh, you're welcome to join the bandwagon if we don't care. Redskin stuff as it breaks, we will talk about it, but for now... For Stevie, my name is Joe. Thank you so much for listening. This has been DTC. We are out.